James chapter 4. We have been working through the book of James. We just have a few weeks left. Uh, so it's been a good journey. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, last, well, yesterday, we actually had our first men's breakfast. The ladies had their ladies' lunch the week before. They had a great time. Uh, then men's like, all right, well, we've got to have our, we got to have our thing, right? So we had our men's breakfast yesterday morning. We had a lot of bacon, a lot of gravy, and, and accessories. It was, it was really nice. Um, and one of the things that we were talking about, Neil and Mike Harris led us in a discussion over lies that men believe, lies that men believe. Because the thing is that whenever we're out living in the world, we have to realize that the world is always telling us something. Our culture is always telling us something, and we have to determine whether what the world is telling us is true or if it's a lie. And so we were talking about different lies that, that the world tells us, and one of our men in our church, I didn't ask him if I could say this, so I'm, I'm not going to say who it was, but one of the men in our church says one of the lies that the world tells us is that things will always get better. Whew. That was hard. Things will always get better. And as I say that, I'm sure some of our reactions is like, wait, wait, that's not true? Because we do have this belief, this confidence that, that whatever we're going through, that things are going to get better. But whenever we really think about that, and we ask ourselves a question, can that actually be true in all parts of the world? Right now, this very moment, we have brothers and sisters in Christ in Asia and in Africa who are being severely persecuted, who are being thrown into prison, whose families are being separated, many who are losing their lives for the sake and for the name of Jesus. Now, is it true that things will get better and they will go to heaven when they pass away? Yes, that's true. I'm not doing away with that. But there is this lie that we as Americans think, well, well life is always going to get better the next time we turn a corner. And think, think about this. Uh, whenever you were younger, or maybe you're this age now, you might be in junior high. And you're like, man, junior high is hard. Do you remember how hard junior high was? If you're in junior high, just know it's not always that way. I, do, I almost want to say things will get better, right? Uh, but we... we <laughs> I'm such a prophet of doom today. It's horrible. But we have this idea, like, oh, when I get to high school and I get to leave all this behind, things will get better. And then when you're in high school, you think, man, I just got to graduate and get away from all these immature people. And, and when I get into the workforce or when I get to college, things will be better. And then we have this idea, well, I just, I just need to get married or I just need to get this job. Or if I just have, if I just have children or if I just get retirement, we have this idea that things are always going to get better. Why, why do we believe this? I think one of the reasons we believe this is because we live in this pocket of, of time and location that gives us the luxury of believing this. Think about it. Right now, every one of us in this room lives better than kings and queens of the ancient world. They they would kill to have air conditioning. They would love to be able to hop on a plane and to fly around the world. 
to have food. You, you don't have to grow it. You just go to H-E-B and buy it. Can you imagine the luxury we have? Because we live in America at this time in human history, we have this optimism that makes us think everything is going to be better. I think another reason for this, though, is because we have a plan. We think because I have a plan, because I have a strategy, my plan is going to work out. And my plan for my life is going to make my life what I want it to be, and my life is going to be better. But the truth of the matter is our plans don't always work out. Many of you are like living this right now. We are feeling the weight of what happened. Our passage today in the book of James, he's talking about our plans, the plans we make for life. And he tells us what's wrong with them, and he tells us how we need to adjust them. So let's go ahead and stand together as we read God's word from James chapter 4. Verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city. Spend a year there. Do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, You should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Christ Community Church, this is the word of the Lord. All right, you may have a seat. When I read this passage, I had a hard time with it because I kept saying, What's wrong with that plan? Because isn't this what we do? Isn't this what we do? We, we make plans. I, this is where I'm going to live my life. This is what I'm going to do. And goodness, I hope to make a profit. But yet here, James is saying that what we do when we're do, saying this and when, we, when we're doing this, he's saying we're actually sinning. So the first question I really want to spend time with today is what is wrong with this plan? Can't we choose a career path and take it? Can't we save for retirement and hope to have enough when we, when we get to that point in our life where we can't work anymore? Is money wrong? Is it because they're wanting to make a profit? Is that, is that the problem? So what, what we want to do is we want to ask the question, what is wrong with what these people are doing? Because when we first read it, I think our reaction is, well, yeah, of course that's what we do. That's what we're supposed to do. As I was reading this passage, I was reminded of of another passage in the book of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verses 15, Jesus is telling uh, people a parable. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 through 21, this is what it says. Then Jesus told them, watch out and be on guard against all greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance 
of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. Isn't that what we want? If you have land, you want it to be productive. If you're in sales, you want to make a lot of sales. So this rich man's land was very productive. And he thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones and store all of my grain and my goods there. Then I will say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Feel anything wrong with this yet? Because we read these verses and it's like, that sounds good. And then Jesus continues on. But God says to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, those will they be. How is it? That is how it is. I'm sorry. That is how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So what we want to do with this first point is we want to look at James and we want to look at this parallel passage in the book of Luke. And we want to ask ourselves, what's the problem here? And the first problem that we see is the problem of arrogance. It's the problem of arrogance. If we look in James chapter 4, verse 16, he tells us the problem with our planning. He is saying this, But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So what James is rebuking people for is James is rebuking us for for the self-confidence, thinking that in our own strength and in our own abilities, we can create plans and execute our plans and bring our plans to a sense of success. It's an arrogant plan when we think we can do it all on our own strength. And I think one of the things that we have to acknowledge is that we are not in control. Isn't that hard? You are not in control of your life. Life happens. And some of the things that we have to do is we have to roll with it. We have to to survive it. We have to acknowledge that we are not in control, that there's no system, there's no app, there's no day planner that will allow you to be in control. Because sometimes that's what we think, right? If I can just have the right organizational system, if I can find the right planner, there's these new planners. I can't remember what they're called. They're black, they're really detailed, they give you a to-do list. The focus planner, right? And they're like, if I could just get a focus planner, then I will be in control of my destiny. And what James is saying is whenever we begin to think that we are in control of our destiny, whenever we begin to think that we are in control of our life, he is saying that we are acting arrogantly. Because the truth of the matter is we are not in control. Once again, I think it's only because we live in this pocket in the world, this time and space where we are, that we can think that we have any control whatsoever. But all it takes to help us realize that we are not in control is for there to be a a flu outbreak in China. And then we all like, oh goodness, 
what's going to happen here? And we start getting panicky. And we start sometimes being a little ridiculous. Why? Because we realize we are out of control. Whenever you realize you are out of control, what is your response? Do you hunker down and say, I have to make a better plan? Do you hunker down and say, I just got to get organized? Do you just quit? Or when you realize that you are not in control, do you lift your eyes up to the one who is in control? Who does direct the winds? Who does change the seasons? Who's in control even of viruses? The problem with our plans is oftentimes our plans are arrogant because we think we're in control. Another problem we see in our plans in in the book of Luke chapter 12 and also Luke chapter 4 is we have this problem of treasures. Jesus said to the man in the book of Luke chapter 12, he says, that is how it is with the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. So one of the problems with our planning is if our planning is all about ourselves and our comfort and our desires. Because that's oftentimes what we do with our planning. Where do I want to be and how do I get there? And all of our life is directed back towards ourselves. And I say this and I, I just know our culture would say, well, what else would you do? How else would, would you live your life? But Scripture teaches us that if our treasures are only here on this earth and all we serve is ourself and not the kingdom of God, then our treasures will rust and our treasure, treasures will, will rot. If you have kids, I'm, I'm sure they leave things in the backyard. Ah, backyards. They're, they're like a blessing and a curse, right? Um, <clears throat> sometimes your, your child will latch on to a certain treasure, right? They love it. They desire it. They hold it close. It, it might seem like a piece of trash. It, it might be a piece of trash. You never know. But it's theirs, and they treasure it. But oftentimes, those little treasures as a result of them loving them so hard, what does it do? It breaks. It gets destroyed. We find that is the truth with anything we make treasures out of on this earth. That the treasures we make out of on this earth, whether it be a house, whether it be traveling, whether it even be a family, one of the things that we have to realize is we can't hold those things close because they are not going to bring us ultimate joy. Jesus said that our treasure needs to be in heaven. That is where our treasure is. So my question for you is, as you are making your plans, as you are thinking about your future, where does God and his kingdom fit into your plans? Where does God and his kingdom fit into your plans? Or is God almost an afterthought? I'm going to do my plans, and I'll sprinkle a little God on the side. I'm going to do my plans, and I'll just, I'll just be a good person as I go along. 
Or when you make your plans, is a kingdom of God first and foremost importance? How would that change the way you go teach your class at school? How would that change the way you respond to an officer? How would that change the way you respond to your spouse? How would that change the way you treat your children? If you said, my utmost importance is is to serve and live the kingdom of God, therefore, I should be this type of parent, this type of spouse, this type of employee, this type of soldier, this type of teacher. The kingdom of God needs to be first and foremost in our planning. And Jesus said all those other things that we worry about will be added unto us. We have a problem of treasures. And then we have a problem of of limitation. Look at our passage there in James chapter 4. He says uh, in verse 14, Yet you do not know what will happen. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? What will it be for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I want you to see this, uh, this picture here where my house is, we're actually kind of in a floodplain. And so I feel like we get a lot more moisture. And so I feel like we always have more fog in the mornings being so close to the water, being low. And oftentimes in the morning when we wake up, there's just this mist, this fog across the ground you might think man it's going to be a little bit of a dreary day but as soon as that sun comes up as soon as a little wind blows that fog that mist disappears it's not there very long at all james wrote this in a, in a mediterranean world so i want you anyone ever been to the ocean before and see the see the waves crash up against the rocks And when they hit those rocks, oftentimes it sends up this mist. How long is that mist there for? Seconds. I just imagine James, as he is traveling, as he is ministering there in that Mediterranean world, he was at the Sea of Galilee. He lived near it. He was next to the Mediterranean Sea, just not that many miles away from each other. I just wonder when he wrote these words, he was imagining those waves hitting the rocks. And the mist going up, saying, you know what? This, this is what our life is like. We are here for a little while, and then we're gone. One of the problems with our plans is, is the problem of our limitation. We cannot extend our lives. We cannot even protect our lives. I had this conversation with my students in high school. I've been a prophet of doom a lot lately. Uh, so I was talking with my students in, in high school, and we were actually, I was teaching a Bible class, and, and I was actually reading this passage to them this past week. And I'm like, all right, all of you here are like 15 and 16 years old. And when you're 15 or 16 years old, sometimes even up into your 20s, uh, sometimes even older, what you think you're indestructible. You think nothing can touch you. But I had to tell him right now, and I said, I'm 40. Like, I'm, I'm more than double your age. You would think I'm the first to go, right? But we don't know which one of us in this classroom is going to be the first to die. Because life is quick. Life happens that way. We could say the same thing in this room. We might think, I am healthy. I am strong. I am careful. 
but we never know when someone's going to take their eyes off the road to respond to a text. We never know when, when we might get this diagnosis that rocks our world. Whenever we are confident and we are arrogant in our life, we think that we are indestructible and that our plans are perfect. But James is saying it's your, it's your arrogance, that you're boasting in life, thinking that you have any control over this at all. Like the farmer in Luke chapter 12, he said, God said to him, you fool, you don't know when your life is going to be demanded of you. And there are some people here today, and I know it's true in my life sometimes, where I think, well, I'm going to be different later on. And I, in my life, I, I'm, I'm going to serve God when I get to this point in my life. And I'm going to dedicate my life to God as soon as I finish this degree. Or I'm going to dedicate my life as soon as I get this promotion. As soon as I get this much in my bank account, I'm going to be good. And that's when I'm going to serve God. And when we live that way, it's as if God is saying, you fool. What is your life but a a mist and a vapor? You don't know when your life is going to be demanded of you. So we have to ask the question, how should we plan? How should we plan? Verses 15 through 17. Let's read those. It says, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. So it is a sin to know the good and yet not do it. So how should we make our plans? The Bible here isn't saying we shouldn't plan. I, I think of the verse in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter 6, where it says, go to the ant, you slackered. Look at the ant. See how he works. See how he puts away. See how he stores. The ant's a planner. So the Bible isn't saying just live life carefree. It'll happen. So the Bible is saying that yeah, we should have a plan. We should order our life. We should have a strategy. But how do we hold that strategy? How do we make our plans? And what James is saying in James chapter 4 is that we need to make our plans with a recognition of providence. What is providence? Providence is that sovereignty of God that he is in control that he has a plan and that he is working his plan. That's how we need to plan. We need to plan with providence in mind, saying, God, this is my plan. This is what I want to do, Lord willing. Lord willing. If you grew up in the country, you know what it is, right? Lord Lord willing in the, in the creek don't rise. Y'all know that one? All right, it's a great phrase. Um, but Lord willing, if, if, if the Lord wills it, this is going to be my plan. So what we do is we hold our plans loosely, realizing and acknowledging the fact that we are not in control, but rather that God is in control. And this is a phrase, Lord willing, if the Lord wills, this is a phrase of, of dependence on God. This is a phrase acknowledging the sovereignty of God. It makes me think of, of Jesus on the night that he was betrayed. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, we were told he went to a garden to pray. And as Jesus was praying, he, he, he prayed this prayer to God. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. 
Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Trusting God, being in dependence on God, realizing that he is sovereign over all things is is an acknowledgement that he is in control and that we need to submit to his will. And in our community, some of us have have chosen to live here, right? We we choose to live here. Some of us aren't. We we don't have that choice, right? We're told, move to Fort Hood. One of the things that we can do is we can complain about that and say, ah, Texas, so hot, so humid, clean. Or we can say, you know what? I am going to trust that God is in control. And I'm going to be dependent on him. And while I am here in Colleen, I am going to live for his kingdom. I'm not going to say I will live for Christ when I get to my next station. I'm not going to say I'm going to live for Christ as soon as I get out of the army. As soon as I move on, we're saying I am here. And while I am here, I am going to pour into the kingdom of God. We need to make our plans but trust that the Lord is directing our steps. I think this does raise up a question, though. What do we do when we are working our plan, we're trusting in God, but then the worst seems to happen? I think of this with Jesus when he was in that garden. He says, Take this cup, take this cross, take what what lies before me in these next few hours, take it away. But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus was facing the cross for us on the for our sins, but he faced it. What do we do in our life when we are living our plan, we are living our life, but then we just hit that brick wall? The unexpected happened, the tragedy happens. How do we live life at that moment. I mentioned that that phrase, that kind of country phrase, Lord willing. If you're really country, it's good Lord willing. And and the creek don't rise. Uh, Whenever you're going through life and you've hit that brick wall and that tragedy happens, you have to realize that what happens is the Lord's will. And that even when the creek rises, That's his good purpose. Even when you feel like you are about to drown in your situation, God is in control. And that's when our faith gets tested. That's when we have to cling to truths like we have in Romans 8, 28, that says, for we know that all things work together for good, for those that love God, for those that are called according to his purposes. If you're going through a trial right now, if your plans aren't working out the way you want right now, I want you to realize that what you're going through is not outside of the sovereignty of God. And what God is calling you to do at this moment is he's saying, trust me, be faithful to me. And here's the good news is that when we come through that trial or we die, we're going to look more like Jesus than we did beforehand. God's goal for you 
in your life is not to retire comfortable. God's goal for you in your life is not for you to have all the toys that the world says you need to have. God's goal for you in your life is to, for you to look more like Jesus. And the way that happens is through the creek rising. As we are making our plans, we are, we're planning with providence in mind. But we also, according to verse 17, we have to plan to do good while we're working that plan. I was talking with a friend the other day. He is, he is a, he's a professional here in town. We have breakfast often. Um, and we were, we were talking, and he said, man, I am a to-do list person. Anyone here a to-do list person? I love my to-do lists. Uh, and when I'm making my t- first my, my to-do list, my, I always like, add things I've already done to the list. Have you, do you do that? Like, all right, I'm going to like brush my teeth on that. I've already done that. Check that off. And then I always write at the end, like, write to-do list. And I check that one off, too, and I'm done. It's like, yeah, success already. But my friend, he's, he's, like a, he's a checklist type of person. And he said, what happens is I make my plan for the day. I start working my plan. I'm working my way through my list. I'm checking things off. But he said, oftentimes when I go into, I work with people who, who work for me, he says, an issue will come up that I know I should give more attention to. I know I should give more care to, but it's not on my list. And since it's not on my list, I separate myself from it as quickly as I can so I can do the things that are on my list. What James is telling us to do here in verse four, chapter four, verse 17, where he says, so it's a sin to know the good and yet not do it. As you are living out your plan, things are going to happen in your life. And you're going to have to have the wisdom enough to pause your plan And do the good you know you ought to do. Sometimes you might be about to sit down for dinner when you get a phone call. And you're like, should I dismiss it or should I answer it? Sometimes wisdom is going to say you need to spend time with your family. Dismiss it. Because that's the good you need to do. And sometimes the good you need to do is say, this is my brother or sister in Christ who's struggling And I need to answer it because that's the good I need to do. I wish I could say there is one set thing you need to do. But Jesus is saying and James is saying that the way we live our life is by knowing the good we ought to do and pausing our plan long enough to do it. So I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to prepare ourselves to be able to do that good. I was talking with my friend, the, the checklist friend. I said, one of the things that you should do just as, a, as an idea is add a few checklists. Add a, add a few boxes to your checklist that don't have something in it. It's just a box. And written to it is just a blank. So that as you're going through the day and there is something good there that you need to do, in your mind you say, that's what it was. That's the good that I'm supposed to do. That's the checkbox I'm supposed to check off. But preparing your day and preparing your time to say, you know what? I am going to prepare breaks in my day or time in my day to do the good I know I need to do. Sometimes we do that with our time. Sometimes we need to do that with our money. 
because oftentimes uh, what we do is we live to the max extreme of what we bring in, don't we? It's like we get a raise and we don't even know it's there because it's already gone. And we just live right up to what we bring in. What would happen if we said, you know what, I am going to to begin to prepare my life to be able to do good for other people. And I'm going to, to not take out this extra loan for this extra thing so that whenever something does come up in my community or in my world, I can do good. Maybe it's like, yeah, man, I, I know I wanted that trip, but you know, we're going to hold off on that trip so we can, we can have this little revenue so that something comes up, we can do good. Or maybe you just, just like you add that little check in your budget or in, in your time, in your checklist, maybe you do that to your budget and you say, all right, we're going to save this much money every month so that when something needs to happen and we need to support someone, we need to come alongside someone, we can do it because we've budgeted for it. We need to prepare our lives and live our lives in such a way so that whenever something comes up and we know we ought to be involved in it, we need to do something about it, that we are prepared to do it. My question for you this morning is, how are you planning? Do you have this this prideful planning? Do you have this prideful planning that this farmer in the book of Luke had? where he's all about his own treasures, not even thinking about the brevity of life? Do you have the planning where James is saying you're arrogant and you're boasting in the way that you're planning? Or do you have this humble planning? So a couple questions for you to ask yourself. As you make your plans for your life, has God a thought, an afterthought, or not even a thought? As you are making your plans for your life and your future, has God a thought, an afterthought, or not even a thought. Where is the kingdom of God in your plans? Second question. As you do make your plans, are we putting God's kingdom on the back burner? Where we are saying, I will serve God and I will be faithful after. Because when we do that, that's when we're being told by, by Jesus, you fool, you don't know when your life is going to be demanded. Is God being pushed to the back burner in your life? And finally, if you are living a, a broken life and that creek is rising in your life right now, are you still trusting that God is good? Or what you find is that bitterness and anger and resentment are taking hold in your heart. Just an afterthought here. realize that's many of us and that's why we need to be exercising watch care over one another because we have brothers and sisters in our body who are struggling who feel that creek rising and we need to be watchful to find those people with their hand up as the water's rising so that we can do good for them because that's what the church does Christ Community Church, I never want us to become a movie theater church. I want us to be a church where we know one another, where we love one another. And we're saying, take my hand. Because the water rising is the providence of God, 
but the hand reaching down to pull you out is also the providence and the goodness of God. And that's what we need to be doing for one another. Let's stand and pray.